0: Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining
1: a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for checking us out. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we have one of our early guests back on. I am so excited. Joel Solomon back with me on the Contender Cast. Joel, it's so great to
0: have you back on our show. Justin, thanks so much. It's really a pleasure. I am so excited to be here today, especially.
1: I know. You got a new book coming out like tomorrow. I can't even wait to dive into that. Um, And we'll get to that in just a minute. But for those that don't know Joel, he actually was on, I guess, our first year on the podcast, I was looking back, episode number 40, all about mindful money management. If you guys haven't checked that one out, you might want to hit pause on this one, go check that out, and then come back to this one. We had an amazing conversation. And what was really cool was I loved hearing on that first one about your path from going from a big you know portfolio management job at Citigroup to hedge fund manager to you know in, in this new space of entrepreneurship and helping others um, in money management and I just I think it was great so what's what's been going on since then before we get to the book
0: well uh, a lot Justin. <laughs> so I've a lot has progressed in in probably 15 18 months and I've one of my biggest fears in life was public speaking as I may or may not have talked about on
1: yeah I remember show. you mentioned that yep
0: and here I am 18 months later, I've done 60 different presentations at Lions Clubs, Rotary Clubs. I actually was a guest speaker at Mike Dooley's Infinite Possibilities Train the Trainer last year. So cool. So cool. Uh, This guy has almost a million followers of his Notes from the Universe. And I was so, so grateful for having him chosen me to speak at that conference. And I've been on a number of podcasts. Yours, obviously, is one of my favorites. I've also <laughs> got thanks one called The Nice Guys, which right. has been an award-winning podcast. I've been on the Financial Survival Network. Wow, I've been on the CEO Money. And then I've been quoted a number of different publications and local newspapers And U.S. News and World Report and and on and on. So it's been a great, great ride. But I still have not reached my goal. My mission is to help at least 100,000 people. Yeah, I remember that.
1: I remember that. And
0: I haven't reached that yet. I hope that this book will help me get there. My, my new book, the nine money rules millionaires use only the unconventional ones, and <laughs> right? I want I know I really want to get yeah. So it's it yeah, it's a unique title, but it's funny because whenever I tell people about it, they're like, I think I read that book, uh- <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I don't think
1: so. <laughs> There's others with similar titles, but not like not one like this one. Um, and I'm excited about it. I have to ask you though. I I didn't plan to ask you this before, but you ha- you mentioned it, so I, I'm going to ask it to you you mentioned having stage fright and kind of just that fear of public speaking. And a, a lot of our listeners I think are nodding their heads going, yeah, me too. Like if I get to a place where I'm invited to speak, like I, I'm going to have to overcome that. So maybe r- briefly, what would be one or two things that you did to overcome that as you um, started speaking to larger and larger groups?
0: Yeah. Great question. I joined Toastmasters. Oh, ah, so- great so idea. You- okay. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know Toastmasters, it's a way in a very supportive, helpful environment to improve your public speaking. It's There are, I don't know, thousands of groups, maybe tens of thousands of groups around the world. I joined one in Midtown Manhattan, and they... This particular group allowed me to give a speech a week. We They had plenty of space. They met every week. And over a two-and-a-half-year period, I probably spoke 40 or 50 times there, giving five, seven, 10, 15-minute speeches. You can give up to 20-minute speeches. Sure. And you get feedback immediately. Right. So a person comes up right after you speak. 5 minutes later this is probably the toughest part of the actual
1: <laughs> the critique
0: <laughs> the critique i i mean oh. it's not it, because you have to do an impromptu 3 to 5 minute speech on another person's speech generally without notes and it's tough but people do it you get great feedback and then everybody in the room gives you bills out of form so you're getting wow. 15 20 people giving you feedback every single time you speak. And it's way to improve. I've eliminated my filler words. I've become much more self-confident. The people there are amazing in terms of the evaluations. Even if they've only been there a few weeks, it's pretty amazing the things that they catch in terms of content, in terms of eye contact, contact and gestures and so on. It's been a real great ride. For me, I highly recommend Toastmasters to anyone. It's The fee is almost a minimus. It's sure. it's, it's yeah. maybe $10 a month, something like that, $15 a month. It's almost nothing. And I will tell you, it. I've made a ton of great investments, Justin, in my life. It is the best investment I've ever made.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It is a great organization and like function. And I, I know I, I live in Atlanta. I, I see many chapters, quote unquote, of Toastmasters. And so, I mean, I didn't even plan for us to cover that, but that may be like one of the biggest takeaways of the day. All right, right, right. <laughs> You know, the other thing is, it'd be fun to go back now and listen to like how you handled my first interview versus this one. might have to do that. Well, all right. So (laughs) let's get to your book. Um, The Nine Money Rules Millionaires Use, colon, only the unconventional ones. Um, Wow. I love the title. And I know you mentioned it earlier. So why did you write this book? And I know you said before we hit record that this one came together quickly. So why did it come together quickly?
0: Two great questions. Why did I write the book? I really want to teach people that there are beliefs out there that are just not true and it's conventional wisdom some of these things that people use to invest which are just not true and so one like doing it yourself you can do it yourself you don't have to rely on other people the quote-unquote experts the financial advisors or planners you can do it yourself And so that is a very controversial rule, but I truly believe in it. And there are a lot of those kinds of things in the book that I think may surprise and even shock people. But the point is that you can become financially free. You don't have to be an MBA in finance to invest and to invest well and to become financially free. And I wanted to teach people that it's possible for everyone out there. It's you we were born to thrive. We were not born to just survive. And so let's let's get there. And if I can help at least one person, of course I want to help a hundred thousand people, but if I could help just one person get financially free from just paying a few dollars
1: for a book, that'd be awesome. Sure. I love it. A book dedicated to anyone who has ever been afraid of investing their money. And I always love, even in your emails, you say, I believe in you, which I just love the positivity of that. But um, all right, so let's dive in. So um, there's nine rules. um, And what I'm going to do is pick out a couple of them here, and then maybe we can unpack those together. So uh, the first one is all about belief, when you believe. So talk about that one. Let's start with rule number
0: one. Rule number one may be the most important. If you don't have belief in your dreams and desires, it's really hard for them to come true. And what I teach my clients is to write down, and I'm pretty sure no financial planner or financial advisor is going to tell you this, but to write down your level of belief from one to 10 in each investment idea or investment you already own. Where 10 is absolute faith, a knowing that you will make money. And one is massive doubt, a knowing that you will lose money. And if you're not a 7, 8, 9, or 10, don't even invest. Don't even start. Until your faith, your belief level is high enough, you're not going to make money. What's going to happen is you're going to be making wrong decisions. You have doubt and your stock goes down 10 or 20% and you're selling. When in fact it may just be the overall market has gone down and nothing's changed that individual stock and you should be doubling down. So doubt has massive impact on any investment. It could be stock, it could be real estate. It
1: could be your own company. (laughs) It could be your
0: own company. Right. Exactly. So how you think about your your individual investments, what your belief level is is critical, how much faith you have. And I talk a lot about faith in this book. I have probably two full chapters. On belief and faith because it impacts your whole not just investments but your whole life your perspective on other people on your business how you treat not only your business but other people and as i talked about in my book even animals
1: wow well and i love how you your quote you know choose faith over fear Uh, and i you have a whole chapter on that um Love that. All right. So you got belief, you've got confidence, you've got this idea that you're, you're trying to eliminate doubt. Another one of your rules is around your intuition. So, you know, I often hear people say, Should I trust my tuition, intuition with an investment, with a decision, with, um, you know, with starting XYZ, with heading into this direction? And your chapter or rule number two talks about Can my intuition make me money? So, where does intuition come into play?
0: Yeah, I'll answer that in a second, but I do want to just clarify on belief because some people may say, "Okay, Joel, I'm going to believe that this stock is going to make a ton of money. I'll just sit at home and believe." No, you do have to take action. You do have sure. to do some research. You can't just sit at home and meditate and visualize on <laughs> right. your stocks or your real estate, right? right, or or your business, right? So just just be because I, I talk a lot about taking action in the book too, so I do want to clarify that. But let's talk about intuition.
1: I love it. That's great.
0: Yeah. So intuition. I found when I was managing hundreds of millions of dollars as a hedge fund manager, that if I didn't trust my intuition, I either lost money or I made less money.
1: Interesting. And then
0: my clients will say to me, Joel, how do I develop my intuition? I'm not, I don't have your experience. So I don't have the experience in investment markets and in financial markets. How can I do that? Well, your intuition is just like any other muscle. So you can exercise it every chance you get. So you go to the gym and you do curls to develop your bicep. So develop your intuition every chance you get. You're in Manhattan. You're on the subway platform. The local train's there. The express is coming. So what do you do? You take the local. You do wait for the express. Express the local. What do you do? You trust your intuition to make that decision and do it all day long as many times you can, you're making thousands of decisions, whether you know or not all day long. So why not consciously trust your intuition and develop it over time? And then it will be so powerful in all areas of your life that you'll get this feeling that, wait a second, Joel, you told me that this may be a good investment. I've done the five-step stock screen in your book. It, it it's like, okay, it says that I should buy it, but my intuition is not on par with that. So I would say, look, trust it. You Your intuition is your higher self giving you some really good clues. And I know, as I said, when I didn't trust it, I generally made a lot less money or I lost money.
1: Sure. And you talk about tw- 2008 and, the, and the, the market then and in terms of how that played into your learning to trust your intuition. Share that story.
0: Yeah. So in 2008, I had done research on a, a very large insurance company called American International Group, AIG. And we had noticed that it was overvalued. And so we shorted it. We bet that it was going to go down. And a couple of months later, my analyst comes to me and he's like, look, they're, they're taking this action. It looks like it's going to go up. My, in, my intellect agreed with him and said, hmm, he's right. If you do the analysis, it looks like the stock's going back up. But my intuition was screaming at me, don't touch this. But I listened to my intellect. I listened to the analyst. So I got out. And just two days later, the stock's down 10%. Now that annualized is 23 times your money, okay? In wow. 2 days. That's <laughs> what 10% means. Wow. So my intuition is still screaming at me. It's going lower, it's going lower. So I listen. After a few days of missing that 10%, we get back in and just a couple of months later it's down 60%, 60, 60, wow. 60%. Unbelievable. And by trusting my intuition, we made 60% on our money.
1: Wow. Oh.
0: there are many many examples that's just I one saying, yeah you have a of, couple more here? trusting which is great. their intuition not like it, it seems kind of crazy that you know somebody who has many years of experience analyzes companies day after day but when it came to making the most money it was the intuition that worked
1: you know it's funny one of my former bosses always used to say, Justin, I I prepared my entire career for this decision, where I I prepared my entire career for this next move. In other words, I've had a lot of experiences and lived through different situations. I'm trusting my intuition on this, which is interesting. Love that one. Okay. Uh, Rule number six. This one is fascinating. If I give my money away, I'll have less money, not more. How does that work? (laughs) i love this one so talk to me about this rule i think this is a great one
0: yeah giving is it exactly what that title says so (coughs) and and a client actually came to me with this joel if i give my money i have less money how how does that work (laughs) well actually (laughs) money is just energy right and so when you're putting more money out into the world it must flow back to you and so When you hoard and you're just saving, 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 you're, you know, some people say, well, I'm not spending anything. I got to grow my money. But if you're just saving it and investing it, but you're not putting it down to the world, then it's not going to grow. So by giving, you're creating more energy. And you're creating more flow. And Sir John Templeton some say is the best investor of all time. Sir John started a mutual fund called the Templeton Mutual Funds back in the 1950s with just a few thousand dollars. He grew that to when in 1990, he sold his company to the Franklin Funds for almost a billion dollars. He said that he hadn't met anybody who hadn't given at least 10% of his earnings to charities each year over a 10-year period who didn't have massively more wealth at the end of the 10 years than at the beginning. Wow. Okay. That's... And so by giving as little as 10% and I'm, and if you're not giving it all listeners, start small, start with one or two or three or five, just start. And I will tell you when I felt poverty conscious, when I haven't felt, you know, when I was not making tons of money and I was worried when I started a giving program it changes how you feel around money it makes you feel more abundant and prosperous it makes you feel that you have plenty to spare and share and you do in in the in the non-physical reality you do so start start with something small and and the other thing i will say about giving is it doesn't have to be just about money everyone out there has a special talent you could share that with the world you could Just give a smile to a stranger. That is giving, and you can change a person's day just by smiling at them.
1: Sure. I love this story you tell too, referencing Mike Dooley and this idea of a universal bank account. And this whole idea of the more we take out, the bigger the balance gets. It's like, what? But then you talk about if you go to your your universal ATM for $100, that's what you'll get. And if you go to it for a million, it'll be there too, like with faith. I think that's so powerful. Like this idea that, you know, by giving, it's actually a, a bigger return. It's, I don't yeah.
0: The, 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 I guess that's where the tithing philosophy came from. If you give 10%, you're going to, you know, you give a dollar. Actually, what happens is 10 times that comes back to you. And I, I found it's kind of crazy, but I found like even just last year, when I started a bigger giving program, I my sales and Mindful Money Management, my first book, started increasing dramatically just days after that. I'm like, how did? you know what? What? I was I tracked it back to increasing the giving program. Wow! I was like, wow, that actually worked. And it wasn't like I said, okay, I'm start, I'm doing this for right, that. Right. Just I wanted to increase just being
1: intentional about it. Yeah, I love
0: and, it. And 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 the other thing is important that I talk about in that chapter is to when you're giving from the heart as opposed to when it's you feel like it's required you must
1: do right
0: there are many times I've been in Manhattan just and honestly that you know there's there's beggars out there that come up to you and I just felt like I was being required to do it but when I've done it from a place of from the heart then it you're feeling better about it and your your energy changes and then the difference occurs. Like, there was a time I was in Grand Central Station just last year, and I saw this woman picking out bottles and, and cans from the garbage because she needed that money. And she had this big plastic bag she was putting them in. She needed the money, obviously, to live on. So I went up to her, and I, I gave her some money. And the smile and the gratitude that she had for me and saying god bless you thank you i appreciate you made me feel so good for days afterwards you know it shifts the energy when you do something good for someone who really appreciates it and that's when the giving does really matter
1: i love it and i'm a big energy guy so ah okay i i love it and we could spend hours i think just on that one um i want to pick one more here Before we uh, wrap, and I think I will choose rule number nine: don't diversify. So, you know, I think we all hear every day, "Oh, you got to diversify! You got to diversify!" So, share with us your rule number nine and what that means as it relates to your your uh, nine money rules book.
0: Yes, Justin, I think a lot of them are controversial. This may be the most controversial. (laughs) I love it, especially. Especially for financial planners, advisors, mutual fund right. owners, mutual fund managers. I screaming at you. <laughs> yeah, right. I, but I will tell you as a former hedge fund manager, first at Citigroup managing hundreds of millions of dollars, then my own funds, that my top ideas, my top five, seven ideas made more than 100% of my return each year I was managing money. And one year I made 23% in 2009. And in 2008, I made money. And my top ideas were the ones that made more than 100% of my return, which means that the other 50 or 60 or 70, I was managing literally 70, 80, 90 stocks. They lost me money. (laughs) And this happens to every single mutual manager. They don't have 90, 100, 500 great ideas. right? And so (laughs) it actually... Dumbs down or reduces the overall return. And that's what you're getting when you invest in mutual funds. And so, you know, the point of the book, one of the, the rule number eight is do it yourself, right? Yeah, so you I saw that. One. Yourself, yep. And you'll get a better return actually by doing it yourself because you're not playing with one arm and some of them have two arms tied behind their back, right? So don't diversify. I give many examples in the book. if you're a business owner, right? You're putting most of your net worth into your business. Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, didn't diversify and and invest half his net worth in the NASDAQ 100 in 1998. It put all his net worth into his company and he's worth $150 billion.
1: Wow. (laughs) Right?
0: Right. So, and it's Peter Lynch, who was a mutual fund manager in 1980s, even called it diversification, not diversification, diversification, right? So you're diversifying <laughs> your investments by putting your investments into many, many different types of assets, and and it may not, it may be different asset classes. You have may have stocks and real estate and gold and silver and currencies and so on and so forth. That's diversifying too, not just five stocks or 500 stocks. I
1: love it. Yeah. And, for, uh, and you guys, when you check out the book, you'll see there's a, a number of other really great chapters on uh, cash and, and credit, real estate. Um, and then I love that the appendix your powerful affirmations like oh this is so i mean it's just really cool so I, I love the positivity and the um and how you're framing these concepts to help others so all right the cool thing about us talking today is the book actually comes out tomorrow which i think is amazing so um when our listeners hear this the book will be out so where can they find it how can they connect with you how can they have you come speak at their events etc
0: Right. So nine money rules, spell out the word nine, even though the book is uh, the number nine, but <laughs> nine right. money rules.com easy, very simple. You can, you can buy it oh, there. That's awesome. You can buy it on my website, joelsolomon.com or, yep. you, know, you know, Justin, my, my company's named after my daughter's Lauren. I Morgan. do.
1: I remember so, we talked about that on the last one. Yep.
0: Right. So S-A-L-A-U-R-M-O-R.com or joelsolomon.com. And, and you can, you can catch me there. Uh, email me if you want to find out get on my distribution list i as you know i give out a ton of good information videos and you can find me in various locations around the new york metropolitan area i'm actually doing book signings in september and october so that's available as well if you want a, a signed copy you know, go to my website. Obviously, if you don't want to sign copy, you can get it on Amazon <laughs> right. and you, you can get an ebook. I actually did an audio book as well this time. Oh wow. so for those of you very who cool. love to do listening of books, you'll actually hear my voice on the book. And there are some, we didn't talk about this, some very emotional stories in there. My voice cracks a little bit. So um, hopefully you get through those, but uh, I, I, I did, <laughs> I got through it, but it was, there's some tough stories. To
1: hey, have. listen, everything's about stories. It's like I don't need a how-to book. I, 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 people learn through stories. That's one of the biggest things going right now. So, uh it's awesome. I listen. I really am, appreciate you coming back on the podcast. Uh, I'm excited about the new book. Uh, excited that we got to talk too about you know the public speaking stuff. That that was really very very cool. And uh, look forward to staying in touch and have you back on down the road. And I just, I just really appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much, Justin. Really, really do appreciate you and and your time and everything you do. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com.